block lists, tracking, and your privacy. That's what we're talking about this week on Sounds Profitable with me, Brian Barletta. Thanks again to Podsites for sponsoring this episode. Podsites, podcast attribution. Go to podsites.com for more information. I know that you're listening to Sounds Profitable because podcast ad tech is important to you, but it's important to me that you are kept up to date on the latest news from the entire podcast industry. To help with that, Here's what happened last week, no matter when you're listening, from James Cridlin at Pod News. Obviously, everyone has some degree of concern for their personal privacy. No one wants their personal information getting into the wrong hands. But what are you actually giving up? And is that data being used ethically? I talked about this in my article, The Solution for Privacy in Podcasting, which I'll link in the description. To get even more in-depth, I spoke with Jack Resider, security expert and podcaster, to discuss how your privacy can affect how you listen to podcasts. We have Jack Resider of Darknet Diaries here today, which is awesome. I'm very excited. And we're going to dig into a little bit around the article I wrote called The Solution for Privacy in Podcasting. Jack, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. This is great. So we we got to connect over Twitter because we've dug into privacy things in a little bit of different way. I mean, like your podcast is all about privacy and and hacking and oh, information technology in very cool and entertaining ways and really enlightening. And mine's <laughs> well, everything I do is just like, hey, salespeople, account managers, here's how this really works and how to apply it. So you're like the dream version. Maybe I'll have uh, one day a cool episode on your show. But, you know, you are a self-made podcaster. You've grown everything you're doing there. And, and one of the things that really appealed to me is like you like to, you know, kind of embody what your messages are in the show with, with your product. So we came across each other because you were looking into the privacy exposed from your podcast, the listeners of your podcast to the people down the pipeline. And, you know, I want to kick things off here because it's very recent to when we're recording right now. Block lists, right? I'd love for you to explain a little bit about how block lists work because recently we've seen hosting platforms like Megaphone and attribution and analytics companies like Chartable start getting flagged by them, which means that people can as easily listen to a podcast episode. So could you explain to us like how block lists works, how things get on block lists? Yeah, the I think we should back up a second and just kind of understand sure. what is tracking versus analytics because I think this is where this is where people may not understand. So so analytics I think are fine where people are looking at when you know when a podcast is downloaded it's basically a link to an MP3 and you you grab that MP3 file. And so you know when you do that you're hitting a server and the server can say okay, somebody at this IP address grabbed this file and downloaded it. And then, you know, from that IP address, you can do geolocation and you can do uh, user agent, which determines what app you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts or the Stitcher or whatever. And, um, you know, we can get a couple things. So we know what episode you downloaded and what uh, what region of the world you're from and what app you use to download it. And that's that's analytics. And I think across the board, everyone is fine with that, because for the most part, people who collect analytics, they obscure the IP address so that the podcaster doesn't get to see it. So we don't get to kind of um, track like which which person specifically downloaded my podcast. We 
we just kind of get, you know, more of the metadata and less of the specific data. And so that's fine because we, we want those kind of analytics just to understand for, for ourselves. And when a podcast hosting provider collects this stuff, as far as I know, they're not sharing it with third parties or other places around the internet, um, such as advertisers. However, now we've entered the world of tracking. And so what tracking is, is when they collect a little bit more on you. Um, and maybe you can help <laughs> explain this more too, because sure, yeah. you've, you've looked into this quite a bit, but um, they're, they're, they're doing things like Nielsen segments where they're saying, okay, well, this IP address has also downloaded you know, this uh, brochure for a new car recently. And so now we know that they're, they're also interested in this car and this podcast. And so they can kind of combine those things and um, you know when when you're sharing data with uh, big ad tech companies, they're able to combine that stuff. So there is this tracking ability where they're now making a profile on you. And I think big ad companies are the ones who are making those profiles on you. Um, not so much the podcast hosting providers, but the podcast hosting providers are sharing this data with the big ad tech companies to to build this sort of thing. And I think that's uh, kind of tracking in a nutshell. Did I miss gotcha. anything there? No, no, that's that's good. And so these partners end up on these lists that block, like that, that protect people, right? If I have an ad blocker or another tool to block tracking, like if somebody is listed as a tracking partner, not analytics, they mm -hmm. often get listed on these lists. And that's why in the past you've had issues with Megaphone or Chartable. Both of those will result in people not being able to play an episode. Yep. So, so Megaphone has in their uh, terms of service and, and stuff that they collect listener data and may share it with uh, ad companies. And this is the tracking ability they have. And they have this thing called the Megaphone Targeted Marketplace where they find specific people like people who live in Seattle who like pizza and like biking to work. Let's give them a specific ad, you know, specifically for, um, you know, Starbucks or something. And so they can target and hone in on particular people for particular things. And that is interesting that ads are being targeted for specific audiences. And, you know, from Megaphone's po point of view, they're like, well, we're giving advertisers a more specific, you know, audience that they can target. It's it's more relevant for those people and for the listener. It's more relevant for the listener. But I think um, a lot of people are saying it's creepy because they've listened to my show, which is hosted on Megaphone. And they're like, how do you know that I live in this town? And this is what I like. Like, this is so weird that you'd give me this particular ad. And it wasn't me who gave the ad, you know, it was Megaphone who served it up. So that is um, that is specifically tracking the user and not so much analytics and then sh sharing that or giving that to big, big uh, ad tech companies to say, here's here's what we have on this particular IP and this is what user agent they have and where they are in the world and all this kind of stuff. And so that is uh, that is scary. And so there's there's places that try to block trackers such as privacy browsers like Brave or tools uh, like plugin tools like um, Adblock Plus and stuff like this. Pihole has a uh, is, you know, is a place is a, a tool that you can sink hole and, and block ads if you don't want ads or tracking things. And, a lot, you know, a lot of people are using these kind of things. There's other DNS providers that try to block ads. So if people are taking it upon themselves to block trackers and block ads, then, um, yeah, there are, I am starting to see quite a bit of people on like the podcast subreddit and stuff saying, how come I can't download my favorite shows anymore? And it's because 
um, they're showing up on block lists, like whole yeah. podcast hosting providers are showing up on block lists now and such as such as Megaphone and Chartable. I can submit information to a block list, right? For one of these services that I use, I can say, hey, I have reason to believe that they are tracking. Here's the URL for it. Here's the, the information that lets me believe that. And that might get added. Is that accurate? Yeah, there's uh, there's curators for the block lists and um, they're they're looking to see you know, what are, what are some, I guess they get, yeah, submissions. So people will submit, okay. like, this is a, a site that I think you should consider. And I'm not sure how exactly, the, what the process is of how it gets added. Gotcha. Okay. But so for the people that are, uh, that are listening on here, there's a few different ways that you can block it. Some of them are specific browsers. Some of them are plugins. Some of them are physical pieces of hardware that connect before your router or before your Wi-Fi, so that, that every bit of information coming into your house, you're protected that way. And these are all becoming more and more common tools, right? I think they used to be things that people sought out previously and it was for a very small crowd, but now they're kind of commonplace. I think they're going to get more and more popular as we get a privacy focus. So I want to take a little bit of a slant here on this. Now, first off, pro ad tech doesn't mean anti-privacy. It's one thing that I like to really make clear. I am very big on privacy. I think the hard part is, is that for business and things like this, there are hard lines, right? We've seen California. We've seen other states start with their own privacy initiatives. We've seen entire uh, countries or groups of countries have their own stance on how these things work, which means it's easier to regulate there, which kind of means the areas that aren't being handled by that, it becomes more of an ethical thing than a legal thing. And that's a gray area and not great, honestly. I wish we had more privacy regulation. But I wanna walk through the example you said because to me, on my end, there are a few things that stand out. There's a fine line, first off, between an analytics and a, and a tracking partner. So Chartable is a great example, big fan of what they do over there. A lot of their focus is being put on as a prefix URL, right? So when someone presses play on the podcast, before the episode gets to my host, it um, calls the Chartable URL that's happening on the episode you're listening to right now. And Chartable gets the information they need to let me know that a download was initiated or, or, or like a progressive download or automatic download, and then passes it back to my host so that my host can get the rest of the episode. Yep. And that's just analytics. There's no tracking involved in that whole process. And I'm fine with that too. But there's a thin paper wall there because Chartable does tracking, right? This is what's very interesting because now if I wanted to advertise my podcast on Darknet Diaries, I could just by you having Chartable and me having Chartable and knowing the episodes where you read the ad, then Chartable could confirm for me only on an aggregate level and confirm for you how many people listened to your episode and then became new listeners of my show. And that is just between the two of us. That's just based on IP address. I can never access those logs and neither can you, but that's attribution tracking, right? And so I guess my question there is like, this is the first, like, as we inch over from analytics to tracking, is there a concern there? And I'm not mm. asking for you to like answer for the whole space or anything. I'm asking, <laughs> this is a fun example with you because you're living it and you're talking about it. And I think there's a ton of confusion on how that wall works. Yeah. So for that one, would that concern you, that specific method? Yeah. So, so Chartable has two different services or features and they have website attribution and analytics. And they've combined it into a single domain that you can use for this. And what they're seeing is that they've been added to block lists because they're web they believe their website attribution side 
is what caused them to get added to block lists. They're not exactly sure, but yeah. what they've decided to do is separate the two domains now so that they can have analytics on one domain and attribution on a separate domain. And I don't know how that's going to look later, um, but that's what they're working on right now. So they're they're trying to separate that so that that's not so much a paper thin wall anymore. They're like this is these are the different services and you can subscribe to them however you want, which I think is probably a good approach to know that okay this one there is just analytics and this one there is attribution, which means I might share that with the with the partner show that you're partnering with or you want to share you know attribution with. So it's. Hard to, I mean, I think what they're doing with this website attribution, no other company has done. I haven't seen anybody else do that splitting before. Splitting it like that? Well, not splitting it. Just, just, I'm, I'm not even sure exactly how it works. But, you know, if, if I promote another podcast on my podcast and someone went there from here, then there's attribution there. So they both need to both be on chartables at website attribution in order for that to work. Is It's it's hard for me to even understand how what they're doing. Because yeah. that, that website attribution technology is just new in the world. I don't think anybody's done it before Chartable. Well, the podcast to podcast, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's based off of IP and that's great because in a lot of situations, people are downloading and accessing IPs at a high enough rate from their home that it's able to match the two. But if I like listen to the podcast where you're advertising it while I'm at home and then I go on cellular and I download the episode, I'm not going to match. But the reason why Chartable separates the two is because the IP to IP match, they're keeping separate. Now, I believe that Pod Sites also offers something like that, and a, lot of, a few other attribution partners are exploring it as well. Mm. So it's becoming more and more common. But what's cool there is that that's data from you and data from me that neither of us get access to, that they match together with no augmentation. So even though that is tracking, I think for me that that's comfortable, right? Because there's data agreements that are signed. When I sign up for Chartable, I say I don't have rights to that data. They won't sell it or share it with anybody else. And that you say basically the same thing, but we, when we work together, agree that it can be matched at an aggregate level for both of us, but neither of us get that raw data. And so that that first part there, I think is pretty neat. And that's actually a strategy that they're gonna use to try and do actual website attribution tracking in GDPR-based territories because by the advertiser owns the site saying, I have the right to this data and I can share it with you, but you can't share it with anyone else at all. Then the exposed podcast listener basically give, or the, the podcast itself giving those rights away too, that creates a closed circuit where no other ad tech pieces are involved, not even their data management platform or anything like that. Yeah, and I confirmed that. I talked with uh, Dave Zorob over at Chartable five days ago, and it's uh, he told me that they don't they don't have any they don't share any of the data with ad ad tech companies and everything when it comes to website attribution. Um, it's uh, it's all opt in, so both parties have to agree that they want to have this. So. Yeah, it's it. I like that kind of transparency as well of knowing specifically who who's going to get my data. And on the yeah. on the analytics side, it's just me and Chartables gets to see it just because it's you know on their servers. And then on the uh, on the attribution side, it's me and the podcaster that I'm you know promoting or sharing or whatever. Yeah, and, but so now I want to take a step a little bit further with Megaphone and the hosting. So I was at Megaphone for a while, and this is this was always an interesting thing. Um, my assumption when I first started working at Megaphone was that Megaphone, as the request came in, would take the IP address and all the information, which, by the way, user agent has next to no information in any of these device matching systems because the Spotify user agent is only used 
to listen to podcasts. It's not ever used for like buying anything. So it's never going to show up in a valuable database. But your IP address, when you listen to something, my assumption was they take it, they ping it up against Nielsen or another provider, and they get the segments back. Well, what's actually happening is these partners, Megaphone, Art19, um, Chartable, Podsites, everybody, or AdsWiz, uh, Triton, all these partners that have augmentation data, right? They're taking it and they're getting that data locally. So that database is updated daily or weekly or monthly by the partner that they have the relationship with. So Nielsen says, here's all the data that we have the rights to that you can access. And so when that episode goes live, when that request goes live, they're taking your IP and pinging it off against a local database. It never leaves their platform and Nielsen never knows about you, right? They are not selling it or sharing it with Nielsen. So what are your thoughts on that? That's Instead of sending it out, instead of a big ad tech company getting it and now knowing that your listeners are, they're listeners of Darknet Diaries, it's just that the Nielsen data megaphone has access to and can augment that information about them locally. Is that less bad? Mm. Well, first of all, it's not clear in their terms of service. It says that they may share it with big ad tech companies. It's because lawyers suck. Being straightforward <laughs> with you, digging into all this stuff, knowing that I probably don't have to sit down with one for a long time. They have to cover their ass on every single thing. I, you know, I got to witness some of that being written. And the question came up was, would you ever put a Nielsen pixel or any other pixel on the website? And because they couldn't definitively say no, it was better to have the lawyer write that there once. And this is the hard part because the legal part to cover your ass isn't the same as the operating part, isn't the same as, you know, the, the marketing part, right? There's so many different pieces of this, but you're right. The legal of it leaves it so open and ambiguous. But in the example that I gave, where it is that confined area, your IP address, you own it, right? You yeah. own that data. Megaphone is processing it for you. One of the processes they could do is they can locally augment it just for you and your use. And if you allow advertisers in, the advertisers can know that, but the advertisers will never know the IP address, only the augmented data. Does that make it less bad, less invasive? Yeah, well, I mean, I just want to say again, I think transparency is a good start here. So tell us that. Yes. I mean, you telling me that is like total, wow, uh, that's amazing that they do that, but they tell, they're not telling me that. So, you know, there's two different stories there. So I, I'm, I'm going to trust you. It's not like I'm saying you don't. I just want them to <laughs> no, start no. with transparency because D uh, Dave over at Chartable has clear transparency. We do not sell your stuff. We do not share your stuff. But they on Megaphone, they don't have that. So already there's a big difference. But I get it. So they bring in all the data and they, they curate it and they, they library it, whatever it is, internally. And then they match the advertisers with the enriched segment that they have on you specifically. So they, yep. th they're, they're now, I mean, there's a, there's a liability to having all this kind of information on all the listeners. And there's not, uh, I don't, I don't like it still because there's not an opt-in from my listeners, right? So I'm still with Megaphone. With I'm shopping around. I'm going to find a new host that's more privacy secure, but there's no opt-in and there's a way to opt out, but that's not a strong opt-out because if you change IP addresses, it doesn't stick. And there, it's just not clear in the way that they explain it in the opt-out and it, it's just not nice. So well, I agree with you on that. The opt-out is gross, right? Like, I want to go through a path here. If you listen on Spotify, prefix URL is chartable, hosted by Megaphone, ads are tracked by pod sites, right? That's um, four 
different mm-hmm. places. Oh, and then it's and it's your website. For I as a listener would be obligated to go to five different places because none of those places will interact with each other and opt out of each of them and be on my home Wi-Fi because my cellular and business Wi-Fi is useless in those situations. <laughs> and then, like you said, hope my kid doesn't unplug my router and reset my IP address. And then, then in that situation, great, I'm opted out for them to augment my data more or track it or and it really depends because you can't opt out in every setting right like in the united states i'm in texas i can't opt out there's no obligation it's all optional if someone wants to let me opt out and like when you think like don't accept cookies on a website right that website still gets your ip address your user agent and the content you're on which is the data that is top tier in podcasting so that's scary there I want to pivot to that. Like you're so privacy focused. The something that I'm going to start digging into recently is private feeds, right? We get this mindset that this private feed, this relationship directly with like a listener has to cost, right? You pay $5 a month and you get access to bonus content and it's ad free. And I super think that's bullshit, but that private feed can allow you to have a direct relationship. It can allow you to own the direct relationship one-to-one with that person, allow them to opt in and out, out of stuff put them into separate categories for how you will and won't tailor ads and experiences towards them. Have you ever explored or thought about something like that that would give you the more privacy-focused interaction you're looking for with your audience? Mm, I'm not sure if it's privacy-focused. I mean, I do have two private feeds now. I have an ad-free feed and a bonus episode feed. So it was like a few bonus episodes, and these are both for Patreon users. However, I haven't thought about the the added privacy that it it brings to them. It is tricky to keep these feeds private, but that's a different kind of privacy than <laughs> than you mean like, like listener privacy. Them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one of the things I realize is that if you know the direct relationship with the listener, right, you're big enough at this point that if there's some of your podcasts that are still on a public like a publicly available on like Apple and Spotify, right? But you let people know like, hey, I have a free private feed. It's not going to get you the bonus content or the ad-free aspect. That's a paid for service. But if you just want to be able to directly interact with me and give me your preferences, give me your opt-out and whatnot, you could provide that feed for them. Now mm. it costs for on some of the platforms. That's the hard part there. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out ways around making that worthwhile. But until an app lets, until Spotify or Apple or Google or Amazon lets a user say like, hey, opt me out, and they pass that down the line to you, until that becomes a framework, there's not going to be a way for any of your listeners to opt out. Well, let me see if I understand this right. So, so the private feed would be for privacy conscious listeners who don't want any tracking going on at all. Is that what you're saying? And that's yeah, just- yeah, yeah. But I mean, like the hard part is some of these services cost up were up, up close to a dollar a month per private feed per listener, right? And so figuring out the value there, you know, maybe you do have to charge, or maybe you don't, and you find another way to monetize that. But to me, I don't think private feeds necessarily need to mean ad free. But if I sign up directly for your private feed and you give me a questionnaire before I get that feed that says are you comfortable with this type of tracking? And I answer it and says, please provide your name. Please provide your email address. You keep Mm -hmm. that locally to identify me, but you keep my preferences on there. Then all the people who answer, you know, don't track me, get one type of feed. And all the people who answer, you know, I'm comfortable with these tracking, get a different type of feed. It means you can tailor that experience and give them kind of the privacy they're looking for that these apps just can't provide you. 
Yeah, I don't I don't see the value there. I, I'm okay. I'm going to be moving to a more privacy centric hosting provider this year. And that's going to cover most of it, right? Because I think my listeners kind of trust that, you know, their data is not getting tracked in a, in a bad way just by downloading. And I think a lot of listeners don't even know that that happens sometimes. Um, so that's, that's yeah. step one. And then step two is people who are that privacy concerned, I provide them ways to download. I've got like a list of all the MP3s on the website. They could just download it however oh, they want. Cool. Or I also even have a, <laughs> I have a, a Tor website where you can go there and download things from Tor as well. Uh, and, and so if you really want to like use a VPN and download stuff just directly from the website or through Tor, uh, you know, you can do that. And then of course, the only thing that's getting hit is my website analytics and that's, you know, being obscured by your VPN or Tor browser or whatever. So I think people are really that far out there. They have their own systems of doing things to keep from getting tracked, but that's, that. I think that's a kind of extreme. What percent of your listeners download from your website or, or tour versus listen through uh, a, a conventional way? Mm, I'm not sure exactly, but I mean, it's not just for privacy. A lot of people have, you know, bad cell, you know, networks. And so they want to download everything from home and then they want to put it on their phone or something. So, you know, they, they like grabbing it and storing it. They put yeah. it on thumb drives and take it on trip with them or something, you know, and they've got to like... You know, in the airplane, you can't listen to all this stuff. So they don't know how the, all the features of their app to download things. But, you know, they a lot of people just want ways to just download in bulk. And I, I offer that. That's very cool. So I guess the last thing is what specific features are you looking for from a hosting provider that's privacy focused? I'm, I'm going to assume first off is that they don't connect with like a demographic or behavioral targeting partner in any way, or you can opt out of that relationship. But what are the other privacy features that you're looking for? Well, I don't need contextual ads and I don't think anybody does. Like when I search for, you know, travel ideas in Google and I don't need somebody saying, okay, hold on, this guy lives in this part of the country and he has this kind of income and he has this many kids and he has this, you know, this wears these kind of shoes and has this kind of car. Let's give him this particular travel ad you know, thing for this particular, I don't need that. I'm looking for travel ideas. Just give me travel ideas, right? I'm already asking Google, gotcha. what is it I need? I don't need them to give me a 32 point assessment to figure out what I need. You can serve me an ad for travel ideas. Like that's yeah, so simple. True. Like the answer's right there in front of you. Don't make it harder, right? And so if you're listening to my podcast, which is all about tech, I'm going to give you ads on tech. Like that's what people are interested in is tech. So here's some ads about tech here, how to improve the tech in your life or the security in your life or the privacy in your life. I don't, I don't, I turned off that feature in megaphone that says, let's give them custom ads for each person. That's completely turned off. Yeah. The behavior, the behavioral and, con and demographic contextual would be more about like they scrape your episode and look for keywords that they want to target specifically to. So the episode versus the individual you're talking mostly about the individual and also the fact that it's pretty easy to pigeonhole what your show is about they probably don't need to transcribe the episode mm -hmm. but yeah i guess I, I see what you're saying so first off a partner that's not focused on behavioral and demographic targeting um are you looking for anything on like a, a privacy agreement level or anything like that like are you looking for them to to do custom privacy options or hold your data in a different way? Or is it really just about how they handle ads and what you can opt out of? 
I, I, yeah, I do. I do think transparency helps knowing how my data is going to be used, what they're going to do with it. Um, you know, clearly saying it's just for us to, you know, review the analytics of the show or however. Um, I, do, I just don't like custom ads, like just tailored just for me. There just doesn't need to be a need for that. I use the search engine DuckDuckGo, which has tons of ads, but none of them are custom just for me, right? They're based on the search term that I just typed in just now. And I think we don't need to go this extra mile to find the perfect ad for the listener. It just isn't necessary. And yeah, I, I, I just don't see that needed. So yeah, we don't, yeah. We don't need that, that at all in podcasting. And I, I think the thing that I want to highlight here is, first off, on my end, on the ad tech side, I think that a lot of the demographic and behavioral targeting is inaccurate. First off, it's based off an IP address, so at best, it's the household. Second off, there's no third-party auditing process to even tell you if it's accurate. So I don't know if my mom who visited before the pandemic, if her cell phone and information is still relevant to my household on a demographic and behavioral level. So I'm not super bullish on it. I don't think the data washes out in any positive way. I like contextual of like transcribing and targeting there. But the th real thing I want to call out here is Jack is successful without compromising on these facts, right? You're very specific type of content. It's generally entertaining. I truly think that non-technical people can really actually enjoy your content. I think people who are technical can dig in even more and enjoy it, but it's niche content and, and you're killing it and you didn't have to compromise on these things and your success is continuing to propel itself. So I think the big message I want to drive home to everybody here is you do not have to adhere to these norms that are being pushed in ad tech if they make you uncomfortable, if there are things you don't want to do for your listeners. Make the decision based on you and your goals first and realize there are other ways around it. I'm sure you've lost some ads because of it, but I'm also sure that you've landed some amazing clients and you've also ended up with a very loyal group of listeners that respect what you're looking out for, for their best interests. Yeah. Now, when I enabled Megaphone Targeted Marketplace, it did bring in an extra hundred, few, a few hundred dollars a month in, in, in revenue. It wasn't significant. It was really low on the on the MTM. You know, I'm uh, sorry on the C, CP. What is it? CPM? Yeah. CPM. <laughs> it was really low on the CPM, so it just wasn't like hitting it because I didn't read the ad. It was automatically inserted by some other person who made the ad and all this kind of stuff. So it was really 100%. I didn't do anything to put those ads in. So that's why those CPM is so low is because Megaphone did all the heavy work. And so for me turning it off, I really didn't. I yeah, I did leave some money on the table, but it wasn't that um, it wasn't that significant to me. But I yeah. did talk to other people on Twitter and they're like, no, I'm making so much money on the MTM. There's no way I would ever turn that off. And I don't want Megaphone to change a thing. I love this. And I'm like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. If you had <laughs> host read ads and if you could fill up your catalog, you would make so much more money versus having MTM. You're doing it wrong. So I just and I get surprised every time I hear some big uh, podcast company just doing it wrong. And I'm like, where's where's the people in there that know how to handle this better? Because, yeah, host red ads are going to make a ton more every time than any of these other ones that just you you're automatically getting an ad served in there. So skip it and you can do better. It might be a little bit extra work <laughs> to find more sponsors, but it's much better for everyone. I appreciate that, man. I, I think that the biggest thing I like to push is that 
strong opinions and with solid backing are way more important than wishy-washy you can do everything so having someone like you on here to explain that point is fantastic and honestly thank you so much for your time here everybody please check out darknet diaries if you haven't if you are seriously listening to sounds profitable and you haven't listened to something as cool like that yet <laughs> you know that's backwards but maybe we can send jack some listeners but Jack, uh, I like to put people on the spot before we wrap things up. I got to ask, what is a podcast that you've been listening to recently that you'd love for everybody to know about? I really love the orbiting human circus of the air. And it's so trippy and magical. And it's just a, it's like um, a fictional show. But the person who makes it is just so wonderful at music. Like he's a musician that I've seen in, like he's, he's a, like it has a band and concerts and stuff that he does but he puts all that aside and just makes like a old trippy fantasy uh old time radio show like imagine something in the 1940s or something and he's making that but in podcast form and it's so great that wnyc picked him up and so there it's just a fantastic show and it just stretches your imagination and for the first two episodes you're gonna be like what am i even listening to this is so out there and crazy that's awesome. I, I love it when people bring up something that's a little, you know, far off the mainstream. So I'm excited to check that out. And thank you again for being a guest. And I hope to have you back sometime in the future. Yeah, thanks for this chat. This was great. And stick around for some special bonus content at the end of the episode. I've teamed up with Terra to give you a minute-long strategic thought that is guaranteed to shift your perspective on the present and future of podcasting as we all work to make podcasting better. Thanks to Jack Resider for coming on to help expand on my article, The Solution for Privacy in Podcasting. If you liked what you heard and want to connect, you can find me, Brian Barletta, on LinkedIn, way less formally on Twitter as High Five RPG, and of course, you can email me, Brian at soundsprofitable.com. We'd love to hear your responses to the questions we're asking or questions you may have for us. So click on the Yappa link in the description and leave us a voice message, which we'll gladly respond to and include in our podcast with your permission. The Sounds Profitable podcast and all cool ad tech bells and whistles you've experienced were thanks to our host and sponsor, Wooshka. Everything you've heard since the conversation ended was uniquely created to target you using their dynamic ad insertion features. If any of the callouts were wrong, let us know. Depending on how you're listening, there were over 10 opportunities to hear dynamically inserted content and ads in this episode. While we continue to tweak and innovate our setup, some of the breaks may be more noticeable than others. Thank you for bearing with us and please send over your feedback. The Sounds Profitable podcast would not be possible without the help and support of Evo Terra, James Cridlin, Ian Powell, and Sam Mars. Thank you all for your help and support. 